When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Oh, it's a goal. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Hello, so welcome back. It's felt like an age, hasn't it, since Emmanuel Dennis received that second yellow and condemned the game week to an absolute farce for many. I mean, it was a cultural event in FPL, I think. I think we'll remember it for years to come. But there's been a bit of a break, hasn't there? And we returned, we returned to you with just one game to go in game week 23, double game week 23. It's still going. It's still here. It's a bit of a cliffhanger ending, but it's a bit of a crap one, to be honest. You know, you know the outcome's going to be rubbish, but you kind of, you still watching, you know, that kind of sort of series thing. I'll riff on that later. Um, so it's been a bit of a long break and we thought we'd just shake off some of the rust and get ourselves going again after yeah, that break. We are Who Got The Assist. I'm Tom at WGCA underscore FPL on Twitter. My co-host is at FPL stag, Mr. Anthony there. And we're joined today by FPL fairy, aka Steve. Now, he's a decent manager. Seven top 15k and four top 4k things he's told me to read out here uh, but to be honest what's more important to me is that he's a great bloke i've met him for a couple of beers in the not too distance past um back in brisbane uh, when i was down under a couple of years ago and to the delight of our irish listeners steve's irish uh, which completes the sandwich today so welcome steve uh thanks tom it's great to be on the pod i've been a long time listener and um enjoying the show from afar i suppose back when it was yourself and nick and then more uh, recently when my fellow Irishman um, has joined you. And I suppose it was actually interesting listening in that say, FPL Harry will be coming on board from March and looking forward to listening to Lucy next year as, as well. Um, would you believe that randomly I was looking through my phone when we were texting earlier and it's two years to today since we had those beers in Australia. So no way. That's, that's a little fun fact for you. Wow, that is, that's crazy. That, that actually does make, that does tally as well, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's second. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow, amazing, amazing. Yeah, it's great to have you on, Steve. You, what, what a long two years that's been. That doesn't feel like two years at all. It feels more like five, because I remember Tom <laughs> being away and doing the podcast while he was away. It was, that feels like a very long time ago at this stage. And I guess, keep given the fact that we do have a game week still ongoing, and given that FPL seems like something that we haven't been able to engage with for quite some time, this is going to be a, a fairly relaxed chat um, about, you know, FPL coming back after this bit of a break after the, the disaster of the double game week. So we're not going to have much of our usual preamble with market forces and the like. And we will review our game weeks to a point, but of course, there's only a certain um, extent to which that there's worth going through that. 
Uh, and then we have a bunch of listeners' questions to go through market forces and kind of just a bit of a look back on where we are so far with this season. And I should probably note as well, apologies about my microphone quality this week. Uh, things meant that I'm not with my good microphone, so we'll just have to go with what I have. Cool. Right, let's kick off with the game reviews, if we even want to look at that nightmare double game week. And uh, Steve, as the guest, it's uh, only right that we start with y- yourself. Um, talk us through, if you want to, um, this game week, and also talk us through how you've been getting on this season, because I'm sure the picture is a lot more rosy than this one week. Um, I'd like to skip this section, please, and move quickly on to next game week. But um, um, unfortunately, in this game week, which um, kind of seems to be lasting forever, I'm currently sitting on a total of 17 points. Um, I don't even see how I can hit 20 um, unless it looks like Buster's going to play as well. So that's um, probably going to affect me. But um, look, it's been a bad game week. I'm one of those who brought in Dennis, um, made him captain. I've got Ronaldo and Calvert-Lewin up top as well. So I have a total of one point from my three forwards um, so far this game week. My defence is very poor as well. I have Cancelo, Trent and Alonso for a total of five points. Um, I have Foster and goals with zero, but De Gea is on my bench, so that will probably won't work out for me. And then um, my midfield, I have the two Man City assets of Bowden and Bernardo with two points each. Bowden with two points and Jota with a huge five points for me. So um, extremely poor game week and it looks like I'm on for a massive red arrow, but um, I suppose it's just FPL where we've got to kind of um, keep rolling with the with the punches. And I suppose then just in general, I suppose on my season so far, um, I think I've had one of my best starts ever. Um, like I, I was just kind of looking at, say, my um, game week history and I can see like from game week 11 to game week 19, I was like inside the top 5K for most of that time. So had a really, really positive start. Um, and I usually start badly and finish strong, but... I think I've done the opposite here where I've gone from like 4K to about 30K going into this game week. And I think by the end of this, it's going to be like up in the 40s. So, um, yeah, it's been a strange season. I think like I've I've kind of played a bit of a different style to how I normally play, where I've been kind of taking a couple of risks and that. And um, they all seem to be not working out for me at the moment. But I've got all chips intact. So kind of hopefully now um, we'll be able to push um, on over the rest of the season. That, but I mean, being of um, forty k ish is still pretty. It's uh, still okay. I mean, I think we're still fairly bunched up, and I'm sure that you know a couple of good weeks, decent chip deployment, you'll get where you want to be. Yeah, um, hopefully. Yeah, I'm sure you will. On to me. It's twenty seven minus four for me. I moved in Josh King for Ronaldo. I took a one week punt on Sterling for Saka. Feels a long time ago now, I'm sure, to many of you. But Raheem Sterling missed a serious sitter and I think that summed up my game week really I've only had two returns here so Steve I beat you by one um, I um, had that, that dodgy assist for Jota and I also got a Ramsdale clean sheet and two bonus from I think from one save was it something like that um, but yeah 27 minus four so 23 nets with just Josh King left god it's 
terrible, isn't it? So I've I've managed to fall in four game weeks from 100k to 250k. So I'm on my wild card now, uh, basically, <laughs> um, just to try to sort of things out, uh, take advantage of things. So I'm too far off the running now to use the kind of um, the straightforward sort of orthodox wild card swing. So I think later on, probably towards the end of the podcast, when we do transfers and captains, I'll kind of introduce that to you guys, see what you think, and you can rubbish it. And I'm not going to listen to you, and I'll do my own thing and have a disaster anyway. <laughs> anyway, right. And finally, Anthony, uh, with the strongest score of this week, which is probably quite an interesting thing to say. Is yeah, it is interesting to say. I'm only within, I'm within 21 points of you now, Tom. And I think it was something like 80 or 90 about three game weeks ago. Depressing, isn't it? Such is the such is the way things have gone. One good week for me, and then avoiding complete disaster for two other game weeks, and things have kind of switched a little bit. Where am I at? So I have 32 points this week. I made one transfer. I moved out Neil Mopé, one of the like five strikers who managed to actually get a return this game. He got, he got an assist and I brought in Joe Pedro because I already had Dennis, who I didn't captain, thankfully. And I just felt like on eye test alone, to be honest, that Joe Pedro would be better than Josh King, even though all of the algorithms suggested that Josh King was the other Watford striker to pick up. Um yeah, I, I can't say I'm happy with that decision at this point, but at the same time, we kind of have to live with it with one game left to go. At least I will have, presumably, one Watford forward um, in the last game of the double game week. I started with Foster in goals, unfortunately, and a bit like Steve, um, with Foster likely to play, it's De Gea being blocked coming off the bench. So the six points kind of gone a-begging there, and indeed, another six points went a-begging in my bench one slot because uh, Esri Kansa got uh, a clean sheet and I didn't start him. That's kind of because of Ronaldo. I had Ronaldo in my squad. I didn't want to sell Ronaldo because there was a good United fixture. Um, but at the same time, because Ronaldo was likely to be injured, I captained Bruno, which of course is an awful lot better than captaining Dennis. Six points is a hell of a lot better than minus two points. But at the same time, I kind of feel like the Ronaldo injury that wasn't led to me captaining Bruno, which wasn't a great captaincy, led to me keeping Ronaldo on the pitch, which stopped concert be playing. It was just, there was a, a culmination of factors that didn't go together um, there. But overall, I can't really complain because my first two points were largely powered by, of all people, Emmerich Report with his 10-pointer, my only double-figure haul in the game week. The only other return that I got was Diogo Jota's assist. Uh, so it's it's twos and stuff otherwise. Um, not, But not a bad week. Green arrows, 32 points. <laughs> We move and we almost, we get closer to Tom. I do expect uh, to be punished by Josh King uh, in the last game of this game week because I just feel like that would be the only way that this could be kind of turned upside down and made a disaster. Um, but up to now, I, I actually hilariously can't complain. Although I must say when I opened up my FPL team, having, having not looked at it for you know about 10 days, I was just thinking, why have I got so many Man United players? Like, what have I been doing? That was my immediate thought, and um, I feel like that's going to be something I'll need to rectify. I guess we'll talk about that later. Oh, objective o'clock. Um, so quite an interesting one this week for me. But starting with you, Anthony, I mean, I think actually a few of your objectives are completely null and void now. It's only really captaincy and the uh, transfers uh, that apply are, isn't it? Yeah, I've basically thrown my objectives out the window at this point because I was playing far too conservatively and it wasn't working for me. Um, and even still, I'm kind of breaking away from the... I've broken away from the captaincy algorithms in the last two game weeks, largely because I felt like the algorithms were being skewed enormously by double game week data and I just wasn't too keen on it. 
And so that was why I went ahead and captained Bruno Fernandes this week, uh, kind of on a bit of a solo run more than anything. So that's definitely a breach of that objective. There wasn't really a question of transferring out any of my elite players if I felt they'd dropped off before now. I guess you could argue Ronaldo was that, but there was no clear alternative for who I would bring him in for. And I guess with United's fixtures turning, I wanted to give him, Ralph, whoever, every chance they could have to uh, come good. But Ronaldo may still find himself on the chopping board. If it's not him, it'll be Bruno who might move on. So I will be following through on that objective soon, but not this week. Fair enough. I've got a confession to make. It took me 23 game weeks, but I finally broken one of these uh, captaincy. So Mikel did go with King. I went with Dennis for captain this this game week. In my defence, I was out watching the game. I felt like I wanted to be part of a cultural event. It's it's just mad, isn't it? I follow the algo, right? I follow the algo for Kai Havertz over over Salah. I follow the algo Antonio over Bowen, and I feel okay with the algo recommending me to I just have Ronaldo so I don't buy Bruno. And in this instance, the time I do break it, it's a minus two for my captain versus well. At least King hasn't punished me quite yet. And he's still under 100% EO at my OR, but it doesn't really mean anything, does it? <sighs> at, least there, at least there was no FOMO, you know. And at least I can say in the future, I was there. I was part of it, just like that Duffy captaincy. Just like that Duffy captaincy had for me. Well, is- that was one of, the, one of the happiest times. I must say, I wasn't watching the Watford game live. And I, I came out of a restaurant, I was having dinner with my girlfriend and I walked out onto the street to check the score quickly on my phone and I saw that uh, Dennis had been sent off and I started like gutturally laughing in the middle of the street. I was out um, uh, having, uh, having some time outside with uh, Jack, uh, Jack FPL and a couple of other people and one of our friends, so I was watching it in a big group of Nima um, and there's a London meetup scene we'll talk about in a little bit. And um, some, uh, some of my friend Sim came out and was just like, Dennis has been sent off, mate. I was just like, you're joking. And Jack was like, you're fucking joking. It's like, no, no, he's actually gone. And we both had to check our phones. We both did the same, just burst out laughing. So it just felt like one of those where you just look at it and go, well, <laughs> what can you do? It's just so stupid. Ah, anyway, um, elsewhere, um, I did bring Sterling in. So it was the 50-50 situation. I thought the form was with him, the form was with City. So, yeah, I thought I'd go with it. And, uh, hey, he was just one convicted, uh, one finish of conviction away from paying off. Anyway, um, any kind of objectives for this season or kind of a sense of raison d'etre for you, Steve, when it comes to this sort of thing? Um, I don't think I have, like, specific objectives that I stick to. But I think, like, in summary to, um, to your points there, I think, like, for the captaincy, it's been pretty straightforward for me this season until recently. Um, just been captain in Salah and it, it's kind of actually coincided with my bad run so um, as say Salah has gone I've been captain in players that have just kind of been off form so um, that's not working out too well for me I'm enjoying though kind of it's the first season I've, I've kind of been looking at the predicted points um, and I'm kind of using the hubs tool there to um, like if I've got a kind of like you know 50-50 between captaincy um, I've been using that as well a little bit um, I suppose on the transfers, something that I've tried to change to this season is having like a squad of, say, 14, 15, instead of just having 12 players. I think like um, learning from Josh, who won two years ago, I know that he was a big advocate of like taking the worst player out of your, sc- your squad each week. So like instead of selling, say, Calvert-Lewin for Watkins, like say for me this week now, it's pretty clear that I have a big problem in defense. So like, like, you know, removing those players um, is something that I've, I've been trying to stick to. 
Um, and then I suppose as a play style as a whole, um, I'm pretty calm and slow with my chips. Um, I get a bit of slagging in another Irish group where I kind of um, came from behind and won the league on the last day of the season last year. And the guys, they say that um, I think I have my uh, communion uh, money in the bank because um, I can kind of like, you know, like I, I can hold on to things for a very long time, um, like I do with my chips. So, um, yeah, that's me with my objectives for, the, for this season. Very good. Actually, you know what, Steve, you noted that you're, you felt like you hadn't been playing like you usually would lately. Um, uh, just there when you were kind of talking about your season so far, yeah. would you say that that's largely because you just started to take risks that you wouldn't usually take? And why, I guess, did you feel you were doing that because you were trying to make up for the Salah cap when you lost the Salah and you weren't able to captain him anymore that suddenly the uncertainty and a few bad results were making you jump to do things you wouldn't naturally do is that what happened yeah I think I have a bit of regret um I think it's like three or four game weeks ago and I was very close to using the free hit it's the week that the free hit went really well for people um and I was on the fence like for the whole week and then I didn't go for it um I think I only made one transfer that week and I took um like my first kind of big say red arrow in a while from say like like you know 5k to say 20k and then the following week I know like looking back at that I ended up say taking like a minus eight um with two minutes to go to the deadline I brought in like Johnson from West Ham who didn't even play and there's just a kind of a few things there in a row and then I had players that weren't playing when all the games were getting kind of called off and I feel like you can get into a bit of a rut um, but I, I think this break has been good that it's kind of given me a bit of time to like step away from like, you know, FPL and just listen to um, some normal kind of football podcasts and all that. I suppose we're coming back now um, refreshed and recharged um, for the rest of the season. Yeah, I just haven't thought about it for about a week or two. Even I'm on my wild card, right? And normally you kind of be sat there doing different manifestations. And I was like, you know, on our Slack, like posting like, oh, I could do this, could do that. And then maybe aiding the better by being away and, you know, having a lot of work to do. I just, I just stopped thinking about it for a while. And it's been quite, it's been quite good. You know, it's been quite nice to just kind of take that step back. And hopefully the first time people are kind of thinking about it. It's listening to this. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Two time, two, two, two try hero the other day. I was very pleased with myself. Anyway, anyway, let's uh, let's. I think so. As mentioned earlier, we're going to skip the mini league update. We're going to skip the uh, the market forces for now and take a break there before we disintegrate into Wordle chat. And uh, we'll move on to the main topic just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Cool. So we're back, and I suppose we're on to the main topic this week, which is well. Where were we in FPL? Um, uh, I, I think this kind of makes sense as a topic, just because well, this winter break, as I alluded to in the intro, has the feel of you know a season or a series TV show between them. You know, like a between seasons, there's a cliffhanger, a bit of a crap one, as, as I said earlier, left in the air between seasons in the shape of that kind of Watford Burnley game that they're hoping to finally play on Saturday, third time lucky. So I guess the role of this pod, given time's been recorded, that's the evening of Wednesday, the 2nd of February, is to kind of just catch everybody up on how FPL is looking at the end of what is a bit of a lull in proceedings. Remember so, when the final season of Game of Thrones was coming out and we all knew there was only a one and a half hour episode left at the very end of it. And you were like, they can't possibly rescue the whole entire thing with this hour and a half, but we'll we'll try anyway. And that's exactly what the 90 minutes of Watford Burnley is, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's exactly that, basically. Um, I think 
the first thing to do here is to look at um, some key themes, uh, give you the story of the season so far, uh, give you a snapshot, I guess, of how FPL has been progressing. And it'll perhaps call back to a couple of our data dives, so the 200 Club podcast, for example. Basically, what I did, I looked through, because I'm, I'm really sad, basically, how this season in terms of points per petition and overall points compares to previous seasons at this point, uh, to see if there's anything of real interest. Has this season changed in any way uh, differently to others? I was expecting, of course, the wild swings and things like this in the data, uh, things like forwards, you know, being pummeled and defenders riding a wave. Uh, I mean... There are a few things in the data if you compare the last five years. So we're about 110 points down on last season by this point, which was similarly scarred by COVID. So there is some commonality between them. The non-COVID seasons, though, massively down. So we're whopping about 400 points on average down on an average season at this point. Um, and we've seen four points dip as a proportion of overall points. So 140 or so points less points have been scored by forwards this year as opposed to kind of prior years. And defenders are broadly mopping up the, the change of it. So we've the defenders this year have scored 50 points more than last year's tally. Interesting to note the midfielder points have risen slightly on last year, but they've remained in line with expectations. So regardless of COVID or not, the midfielders around this time will be scoring about 7,700 points and we're pretty much dead on that this year. You might think, wow, you know, that's, that's massive. Uh, that's that's going to be huge changes in terms of proportions of points scored. Not really, because the base number of players involved doesn't really change year on year. Uh, there's only tiny proportional shifts if you look at the game on the macro level. So defender points and midfielder points have risen 0.5 and 0.6%, so very slight gains, and fours have dropped off by 0.7%. So that's all players in the game. Uh, the game hasn't changed that much. But actually, these small differences have a huge difference to the overall FPL game if we look at it through the template sort of lens. So we have to remember that there's only a tiny sample of players in the actual game that we're interested in within the whole available base. It's the same analysis as you know, the 100 club stuff I did last year when I was looking at the amount of players who are actually kind of viable as FPL managers. So Anthony, Steve, there are 702 players currently available in Fantasy Premier League. How many, or maybe what percentage of them, have scored more than one point? Can I make a guess? Yep, guess guess a percentage. Sixty percent. Okay. I'm gonna go at seventy-five percent. Well, I think Steve just edges it. So players have players so four hundred ninety-seven players of the seven hundred and two have scored one point, or at, at least seventy-one percent. Ten points. How many have scored more than ten points? 53 percent 53 percent Steve I'm going to say um 45 percent yeah Anthony says this one so 54 <laughs> percent 54 of players have scored more than 10 points and finally more than 50 points how many players have scored more than 50 points and would thus be perhaps in consideration for FPL managers I'd say it's still probably like 41 percent I got 35. Actually, only 21%. Oh, wow. So only 145 players have scored more than 50 points. There are a few honourable exceptions, of course, who wouldn't be in this that we would still kind of consider, like to continue. Um, but basically, 79% of players are junk, useless. We don't care about them. 
Um, and so only one in five players in the whole available FPL base is actually relevant to us. And that means that those small shifts that I showed you earlier, if you magnify the sample, become incredibly important. I'm afraid at this point, I ran out of time due to work reasons to do any more analysis. I didn't have time to work out the rest of the analysis. I'm sorry about that. I'll present that data at a later point, I promise. But suffice, suffice to say, uh, what I started to see before I realized my lunch break was over was that that 1% of drop off in the overall data set is magnified exponentially if we do all that smaller data set. Um, and when we come to our template lens, look at kind of players which actually matter to us, we do certainly see that forwards, for example, have fallen off a cliff um, in terms of the, the, kind of the live sample of forwards. And that translates into a few things that I think are true of this season. Uh, bigger the back, small up top, always Captain Salah. And I think a rather clear template, uh, three probably findings that we've spoken about to some extent, but three things that I think uh, provide the main backdrop uh, to what this season has been. And today, I guess we're going to talk about these three questions and discuss about the future as well. So um, to look at bigger the back slash but small at the front, will this trend continue? Will we keep keep seeing small at the front be a thing? Will the forwards ever recover, as Lucy Hynett predicted a few weeks ago? Um, always Captain Salah, question mark. Is that going to continue when he's back from AFCON? And in terms of a template, are there any nominations for emerging bandwagons that will smash that template? Let's move into the first one, which is big at the back. And I believe we're going to illustrate that with correspondence, aren't we, Anthony? Yes, correspondence came into who got the assist at gmail.com in um, <clears throat> early December. <laughs> and uh, we've only gone around to getting this one in now between COVID game weeks, quick turnaround pods where we just excluded the correspondence section entirely, and uh, just general fussing from myself and Tom. It meant that Bryn Stewart's email, a very well thought out email, discussing about the difficulty he was having with his tripled up Chelsea defence and the likes of having Mendy, Rudiger and James, as well as Cancelo and TAA, and whether this big at the back was going to work for him. And he presciently predicted that it was probably time to bail out on Chelsea at that time, I think, which was December 6th. And I hope he did so because it would have worked out better for him because he'd, he'd already started to take a hammering as a Chelsea defence owner at that point. But the real question that he really was posing to us in this was just, is it time to get out of big at the back? Like, is it going to end? And I think Brain was definitely onto something at that point. And it's an interesting one to discuss uh, for us. So thanks, Brain, for emailing who got the assist at gmail.com. This is effectively the correspondence section for this particular podcast. So um, yeah, who got the assist at gmail.com? We might read your email within two months. <laughs> oh dear okay well sorry Brim, but i think that's a nice way of introducing it at least it's big at the back here to stay i think the kind of the the thin red line which has gone through this season has been trent and cancello in terms of big at the back of a nil forevermore um but i think we are seeing a few things kind of occur here we're seeing robertson come back into the into the meta uh, with three decent games to come for liverpool and it looks like um this evening leaked by one of the um liverpool kind of accounts that tends to be fairly reliable on twitter that they have a Norwich and Leeds double game week in game week 26. And um, we've also got the likes of Luca Dean staking a claim. Anthony, you know, you're sporting a Laporte over there. And um, this also, as I said earlier, cannibalizes money from the front line. So on my wildcard, for example, I've only got one forward who costs more than 5.2 million that's harry kane so I, I just you know forwards at the moment i feel like a bit of a dead a dead zone 
effectively and you've got lots of leucadine and things like that as well um steve i mean do you think the bigger the back is here to stay um can you see trent and cancello ever moving out and do you think people will push more money back to the likes of robertson um i was just kind of thinking there as you were talking like i think i've spent most this season with four premiums um in defense i've had Trent Cancelo and a Chelsea defender. And I suppose at times then I've had Chilwell and I've had Alonso in recent weeks, um, which hasn't gone so well. And then I've had Mr. Uh, Libramento there as well. But I think like looking looking forward in particular, um, I was planning out like if I was to be wildcard this week, what defenders would I be looking at? I think Trent and Cancelo, like, you know, that's just a no-brainer um, effective ownership alone. I don't think you can look past them. Um, I think after that is now a question mark. Um, and I think this week in particular for defenders will be a very pop, uh, popular move. Um, a lot of people will have Alonso. Um, some might even still have James on their benches. But I think a lot of people will be making a, a defensive move this week. Um, I've spent way too long going through the numbers because this is the never-ending game week. Um, and I've come to the conclusion that for me personally, I think it's Lucas Dean. Um, I really like how uh, Target has gone to Newcastle now as well, which kind of removes that thread of rotation. But like, would you classify him as a premium? He's like 5.1 million. So I, like he's probably a mid-price, I suppose. Um, I do like the idea of Robertson and I would like to have Robertson, but I think with Salah coming back, we all have Jota, unless it looks like Jota's time is going to be reduced, it's very hard to make room for Robertson. Um, and I suppose the other premiums that a lot of people are talking about is uh, like a double up on Man City. Um, the Laporte move, you know, obviously worked out very well for owners this week. And I think um, like Laporte and Diaz, I think for the next three fixtures in particular, um, are very appealing. Um, but yeah, I suppose I think it's here to stay. But I think you can get away with two of the premiums and say two of the mid price players, which... Um, Spoiler alert for the transfers, I think, is where I'll be going myself personally. I think I'd be in agreement with you on that, Steve, that I think whilst big at the back earlier in the season tended to mean big on players that were quite expensive at the back. I think now we're definitely seeing those players in the, let's say, Dina mold of <clears throat> in terms of his, how much he costs. Even uh, Laporte, you could kind of toss into this uh, category as well, like relatively affordable, easy to get in defenders as opposed to someone that's, you know, pushing six and six and a bit mil, who is much harder to fit into your defence. Maybe, maybe if Robertson um, continues to push in tandem with Trent Alexander-Arnold to the point that we feel that we need to double up on the Liverpool wing-backs a la two or three seasons ago, we may find that we're starting to put the sort of budget that we had been putting into the defence, just, you know, allocating it in a slightly different way between four players with, you know, two re- really expensive sevens and then seven, seven and a bits and then two at five million. But, you know, at the end of the day, it would work out the same way as four sixes at that point or three sixes and one seven or whatever. It's <coughs> relatively close to the same thing. And that's where I think we're going with big at the back. Certainly, and this is a, a theme which has definitely arisen in multiple pods at this point, you know, defenders are so frequently midfielders at this point that we just have to consider them for their attacking prowess even beyond their uh, clean sheet potential, for example. And that's why the likes of Cancelo and that's why the likes of Trent are so omnipresent in people's teams at this point because they are just really cheap midfielders who, for 
for their value who just get this alternative point stream in defensive points as well, which obviously supplements their returns greatly. Um, and that's why I think Big at the Back is here to stay. It's just like the, the big teams are so strong. They will consistently churn out clean sheets and players that are classified as defenders are playing so far forward that they can get returns on a fairly consistent scale. And Dina, just as since he came up in the conversation, I feel will be part of this. Like I even noted on um, Fix have this feature Consensus 11, which kind of, you know, they've kind of aggregated a bunch of top managers and kind of figured out what their squad would look like if you blend them all together with, uh, you know, technological things to put it all together. And basically, Dina is already in the consensus 11 that they have. I just thought that was quite interesting because he certainly has um, looked good, to be honest, um, in that Villa setup under Gerrard already. And yeah. I can kind of understand that, especially obviously with fixtures to be added in. And target going, as, as Steve mentioned, is huge. I mean, because that, that eliminates any sort of um, threat to his position. I mean, I've got actually a, an interesting kind of thing there as well, because you said about defenders being midfielders. I wonder whether we treat them as being commoditized, transferable assets in the same way that we do midfielders too nowadays. Because in the past, we've always thought, you know, defenders, you know, you, unless you're like a goalkeeper transfer, well, no one ever does one of those. Don't do them unless you're me and you do five in the season. I think I'm on number five now. Yeah, I mean, number six as well when I get rid of the hair, but it's number five right now. But surely with defenders, we might start thinking about that a little bit. So, I mean, at the moment in my wildcard, for example, I've got Robertson sat, well, I will have Robertson sat there um, and he'll be there for Leicester, Burnley, Norwich and perhaps double game weeks also for three game weeks. Then he's got a blank in 27 and then his fixtures, they're, they're okay, they're not great. What I was considering if we're thinking about midfield defenders as being midfielders and thus players who want to switch around with the fixtures, if then he disappears and becomes, I don't know, a Chelsea defender, a Chelsea wing back, Reese James should be back by then. And Chelsea have got a great run between 28 and 33. Obviously, I need to manage 27, but between 28 and 33, Chelsea don't play any top six team. They do have obviously the Champions League, um, but they've got double game weeks too to come. Um, so, I mean, that could be another way um, that this season might change a little bit, that we might see some sort of switching around with a few defenders outside. I think Steve mentioned it earlier, worth just mentioning. I don't think we'll see Cancelo and Trent disappear anytime soon just because of the EO. Um, if Cancelo does start to be rotated to hell, then maybe, maybe. But I, I, and, I can't and, see that. Even just to compound on what you were saying further about uh, the extent to which, you, you know, if we're treating defenders as midfielders, then we, you know, maybe we should start to transfer them as such as well. And yeah, there's definitely a point in that because defenders, whilst not as set and forget as goalkeepers in kind of standard, you know, FPL done thing, certainly they were much more concrete in size. But also there was the whole idea about not captaining defenders. And um, that's definitely not the case anymore. I think you saw people looking to captain defenders much quite actually relatively frequently in the period while Salah has been away. I've done it. I think I did it twice. Yeah, you did a trend, didn't you? I mean, did, I did, did trend. you Cancelo? I don't know whether you did. I don't think you did. I considering it. Maybe I didn't. But you, you did Bruno way, this week, yeah. It was the way, yeah, it actually was. I ended up going with Bruno, you're correct. But, I, but you know, me considering that didn't seem like a mad idea. And indeed, just looking at uh, Twitter and indeed just looking at some of the polls, you do see the defenders starting to feature a lot more uh, prominently in those captaincy polls than they ever did before. And I think there is just a broad realisation that uh, defenders need to be treated differently. And I guess, look, while we're on uh, defenders, we might as well mention the, one of our countrymen, Stephen. Absolutely. Like, we're talking about um, 
like, like you know, big at the back. But I think it's a big shame that um, our fellow Irishman, Mr. Matt Doherty, um, didn't manage to get his move. Like, you know, 4.7 million, he could have been a fantastic option. But um, can we just get you to say his name there once more, Tom, for um, like, like, you know, all those that enjoyed this? Matt Doherty. Don't know what you're talking about. Let's move on uh, to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's see the next. Uh, yeah. It's exact same sound stag. Mm. <laughs> to the next section, which is I've been I've been trying. I, people have been tempted to trap me in meetings all day. It's uh, I'm I'm completely metacognized, cognizized to that right now. Anyway, uh, next big section, uh, Mo Salah. Do we always captain? Salah and what's been interesting as well similar to you Steve my decline in form in inverted commas has been very much due to the fact I've had to make decisions which aren't just lump the captaincy on Salah I mean I was singing um, the algo's praises and Anthony quite rightly pointed out well hasn't the algo just been telling you to captain Salah all year and wasn't the only time you screwed it up the time you didn't captain Salah i.e Kai Havertz and at the time I was like no no but I think the reality is yeah absolutely (laughs) dear god anyway um, but you know, Salah also cat forever. Um, looks like or Egypt are through to semi final. Uh, maybe we'll be through to the final. We don't know at this the time of recording. We'll see what kind of the overall um, backdrop is of that. So that might change the, uh, when we get him in. Might change depending on what we say now. But I still think you know that double in twenty six Norwich and Leeds at home. That's going to be three hundred percent EO, isn't it? Let, let's let's face it. Um, and. I guess the question, the first question, I suppose, before we talk about whether this is going to keep going, is just when do you guys kind of plan on getting him in? I did ask Twitter earlier on um, in my FPL team, Salah will be dot, dot, dot. A few people said we'll be going nowhere because he never left. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, probably a fairly small minority, um, but there's a, quite an even split really in terms of when Salah's coming back. So twenty, so we got over just about one thousand seven hundred people responded to this poll. Twenty four percent of people said that he'd be coming straight back in for Leicester. Thirty two point four percent of people. So this was the majority vote. Just about said he'll be coming back for Burnley in game week twenty five. Thirty one point seven percent would say said he'll be coming back for Norwich in twenty six. And twelve percent of people said they don't know. We're not too sure yet. He'll be back later. I'm sure. If you're, if you're a serious FPL manager, you'll have Salah at some point. I'm hundred percent sure. The FOMO fear of Mo is so big that I think he will come back in. Um, but there are a few people who aren't sure yet. But basically, the upshot is, um, yeah. For, what's that? AC. 8% of people and um, Salah will be back within the next three game weeks in my team and I think I'm probably going to be within that sort of uh, area I mean I, I actually don't have him in my wildcard at the moment I did I, he was in my OFPL wildcard so I've done a bit of a bomb field there um, but my if, if the EO vacuum kind of does come back and he's turned on very very quickly um, then maybe I'll get him back quicker but I'm looking at him for 26 and for the double personally just as an arse cover effectively I'm gambling that Jota plus Trent plus a Robertson um, can cover me for Leicester and Burnley and I think I'm probably going to be captaining Kane I'll come on to him in just a bit uh, next game week and then Bruno for the double and I think Salah in 26 is is a hard buy you know you need to get that to cover that 300% EO they'll triple captain him or whatever but I think I've got enough in the tank uh, to captain to cover him for the next two weeks and I've still got my doubts on whenever he comes back that he'll go straight into the team for Leicester he may do he may do but I've I've got my doubts Uh, what do you guys think about Salah when are you going to get him back Uh, Steve? Um, I think there's many factors to unpack in what you've just um, mentioned there, to be honest. I think a lot will depend on how you're fixed for game week 27. Um, I think that is an important factor to start with because 
I personally have no Arsenal players. I've only got two Liverpool at the moment and I've no Leicester and I only have one Chelsea who will be gone. So I could get away without playing the free hit in 27 if I'm kind of playing my cards right. But if Salah has his double in 26, I'm obviously going to bring him in for that, which will leave me with three Liverpool on the bench in 27, um, which you could say I should use my free hit. Um, so I think a lot will kind of depend on how people are fixed there. I have a few routes planned out. One is that he comes in in 26, and that's probably my, my most likely way um, with Ronaldo making way for him uh, money-wise. The alternative is that I'd lose my two Man City midfielders to fund him. Um, so I suppose what's positive is that we can kind of see what happens for the Leicester game, really. Um, the Burnley game, I don't... It will be a game where you'll watch it from behind the couch, but I think with Man United having the double, it's hard not to go with Bruno or Ronaldo for captaincy. So you're really only worried about him um, as a, like, you know, less than 200% EO for that game week. Um, I think, I suppose, just that can answer the question on the poll. For me, as things stand, it'll be 26. But depending on what fixtures get announced in the meantime for 27 and um, for game week 30, I think that could change my plans as well. Interesting one for me. I think when I actually first saw the, the poll, I voted for the back later. I don't know when yet. Just <laughs> so I'm, I'm part of the whatever it is, uh, one in eight people who just basically gave the show results answer that, that you provided at the end of that. But the truth for me, I think, is that if at all possible, I think I want to get him in for that Leicester game purely because Salah has a differential. This is a bit like game week one where Salah has even some bit of a differential um, would be fantastic to have in my side. And I think that's what he would act as, uh, particularly at my rank right now. And I think there's just an awful lot to be had for that. And then you can also make arguments about how poor Leicester have been defensively for quite a lot of the last while. Um, you know, there's plenty to say that Liverpool could put up a pretty good score at home against that against Leicester in that first game back. So as long as Salah looks like he's going to be playing uh, in it, I think I'd be doing my best to get him in. Um, of course, there's that's contingent on um, whether he makes the AFCON final or not, then kind of kicks on to what day he um, finishes up at AFCON. And then that obviously kicks on to how many days training and how many days he's back in England and all the rest of it. Um, but if it does look like he's going to play, yeah, I'd say stick him into the side straight away. Reap the rewards of having him as a differential, be that as a captain or just in the side. But yeah, yeah early, early and often, I would say. Can I ask you who you'd be bringing him in for in your team, though? The eye of both Bruno and Ronaldo right now. So I could shell Ronaldo and stick extra money into midfield and upgrade someone like, I'll just pick, pick on Jota, for example, and just upgrade him. Yeah, so you could sell either Bruno or Ronaldo before they play Burnley and then a double of Southampton and Brighton, which is, um, that kind of sounds like you're playing with fire as well, doesn't it? Score against, couldn't score against Kidderminster Harriers, but like it's, you know, like I'm not sure how terrified I am actually um, of them. I, I I feel like when I've been bitten by FOMO to some extent on Man United this season, I felt like a complete chump because they're just not particularly good going forward. Especially if both Bruno and Ronaldo are fit, I was I was quite excited when Ronaldo wasn't fit because there was a thought that Bruno might um, have a chance to go wild and United might actually be able to get some pacey counter-attack going, whereas, oh no, if they're, if they're all there, I'm not, I don't think it's good at all, to be honest, Steve. 
I think yeah. just just one nod de bene about Liverpool. Um, they play on Thursday, um, and you're basically relying on Klopp giving some information about Salah before the FA Cup because the deadline would have gone by the time his his uh, press conference is likely to be on Wednesday. So if you're buying Salah for that Leicester game and Klopp hasn't said anything and there's been no news from the club about when he's back, that's really a shot in the dark. So it might be it might it the might hope, be a good idea to the hope the hope is, is that you get some clarity. Yeah, yeah. On each side almost uh, when things finish up that people start watching <laughs> the Jets straight away. You know, like people people will be tracking that jet all yeah. the way back to Liverpool. Um, the day after AFCON and then you might right. get a bit of clarity right and also quickly so I'm going to, I'm going to follow the algo for the rest of the year I'm sure and I'm sure that's going to tell me the caps and seller pretty much no matter what we'll talk about the, dev, the double game weeks later on and those impacts but I suspect so I'll just follow the follow the algo and find also cap seller is back again just quickly from both of you do you think that that era is going to be reinstated or do you guys think that we've now swapped into kind of a, a diversity of armband options uh, Steve what do you reckon um, I think it'll be reinstated as the kind of default captain but I think what will make um, the end of the season a lot more interesting is that there will be teams that will have double game weeks um, albeit you could have the likes of this week where you've got say the likes of Watford that have a double but like for example if we have Burnley that have two tasty looking fixtures would you be tempted to go with Nick Pope or would you be tempted to go with their new striker? I won't try and say his name. Um, or would you prefer, say, something like if Salah is at home to West Ham? Um, I know, like, depending on where I am in my overall rank, like, you'd be tempted to go with double game weaker. And I think that will change the kind of default of, like, you know, it being Salah every week, but, um, like, that we had at the start of the season. But... I do think that he will be my default. And I think like if you're to set your bus team every week, I'll be putting Salah as my captain. And then as the week progresses, I'll kind of consume some content. I'll uh, start looking at those algos and that kind of stuff and see um, if they can change my mind, I suppose. I agree completely, Anthony. <laughs> Very little bad to that, yes. Very little bad to that. <laughs> Perfect. All right. Last thing. So as we said, the template this year has been fairly well established. So I suppose one of the key sort of antidotes to that is bandwagons. And we've seen lots of uh, examples of this in the past, so like sort of Lingard, for example, say an example. Um, allied to that, of course, the transfer the transfer window slammed shut. You can't say it closed. It's, it's slammed shut on Monday. And we had a couple of questions in about this as well. So Richard Pitt, he asked, you know, which January transfer will make the biggest impact in FPL? And FPL... Kubaloy, uh, would you rather have one Woot Weghorst and another Woot Weghorst, or would you hard, rather have one Wood? <laughs> um, but he, he he really asked, you know, what was what, what's the difference between the two? Uh, any or, or any interesting? Basically, a proxy uh, for what's going on. I think here though, it might be worth just kind of talking about some options that could smash that emerging that template which emerge. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start off with one. So I mentioned Kane earlier on. Is he a differential? Well, he's 13.6% owned, so kind of. We were all aware of him, but not many people actually own him, I don't think. And I just wonder if with a rush to Salah, people are saving the transfers for him and that innate Bruno ownership and 
people sat on Ronaldo, of course, that double in 25. I just think he might be overlooked a little bit because it's a bit of an awkward move to make, isn't it, at this point? You've got, you're waiting for Ronaldo, for, for Salah to come through, that you know, double to go away and, you know, all that sort of malarkey. I talked about him in my FPL video, actually, and got roundly rubbished for it, but they rubbish anyone. Um, but I don't know. To the eye, I think he looks like he gives a crap again, frankly, running at defenders and actually doing stuff. Like the analog stats is pretty, pretty incredible over the last six game weeks. He's had the most big chances most attempts in the box by miles and the most pen box touches of any player and in the expected data as well he's miles in front of everybody else for expected goal involvement over the last six it's 5.51 bowen is the closest in 3.99 and spurs are leading the way quite substantially in terms of xg from open play over the last uh, six game which is 11 the ne- nearest rivals um united with eight so it's a huge difference between the two and it's not really an overperformance either um for kane to be doing um what he's been doing he's only overperformed a slight bit and a really interesting thing to note on kane is that each season since 2017-18 when Statsbomb started recording his data, he's drastically overperformed on his actual output versus XG. This year, it's the, other, it's the opposite. It's the only season that this has happened where he's underperformed um, his actual output versus his XG. I mean, people always say, oh, he's going to revert to the mean soon. Well, the reversion to the mean for Kane is actually quite a good thing, but he flips it. Um, and given the kind of finish here he is, and with the, a deep-lying playmaker and betting, a deep, or deep liar, I suppose, in Bettinger joining, plus another quality player in Kulusevski to play with, I wonder whether um, he might morph into Harry Kane from Harry Kante. And a small point as well, the last two game weeks, his average position was the furthest forward it has been all season. So maybe just maybe a Conte system is starting to, to work for him. And as I said, I really like the look of him. I don't think that many people are going to own him because of the kind of um, the quite uh, choked uh, premium situation at the moment. And I might well caps him against Southampton and gamble on that high line issue again for Hasenkutl. Anyway, that's, sorry, that's just one of the, that, that's my first nominee for the central bandwagon. Uh, what do you guys think of that? Any others? Uh, any any that have come to mind for you? I've got loads, but uh, that's that's kind of my main one at the moment. And obviously, that's confirmation bias because he's straight in the World Cup. In um, when it came to the elite, more expensive premium players that haven't necessarily been performing, Kane was one of the first ones that I'd have turned to. And if it wasn't Kane, it would have been Son. That um, it just in general things seem to be coming together for Spurs. Um, and Kane, as we've said, we, we noted in the last pod that we Kane was beating players. He was sprinting. He was forward. You know, all things that weren't necessarily happening here in the season. Yeah. Like, it's kind of ridiculous that it's ridiculous that these are the sorts of things that the eye test was, you know, wow, it, it's changed so much. But actually, uh, really, that was the truth of it, that um, uh, Kane has looked so much better and has been really threatening. And so... Um, with that in mind, like there's no point like going into very small data sources or data points on you know a few performances, but just in general, eye test wise, energy and tactically, he has looked much much better, and that's why I've been I was definitely kind of watching him closely. I'm not sure if this game week was one I was going to bring him in for. It's interesting, Tom. If you're on a wild card, I could totally see why you would though. It does make sense. Yeah, and I'm just kind of on that too. I think like um, I've mapped out a little bit of a. I think not having Salah has been stressful for the captaincy. So I've kind of planned out a little kind of captaincy matrix from now to game week 29. And what's interesting um, is that Kane is ranked either first or second every single game week. Um, And I think 
like for this coming game, like I think if I had Kane, I'd, I'd be very tempted to stick the armband on them when there's no obvious captain. And then I think even looking at, sorry, game week 25 will be different because we'll have the double and um, game week 26 will have Salah as captain. But I think Son and Kane is who I have down as my second best captain for game week 27, 28 and 29. Um, really like the fixtures, really like that they have the lower ownership as well. And I think that really um, stands out for someone that's on a wildcard that can kind of take those punts and the fact that Son's back in training as well. Um, but there's two players that stand out and I was shocked when I heard their ownership um, or I saw their ownership on an, an article this week because they're both sitting in, in my own squad at the moment. And I just didn't realize that I had two pretty low on players um, that could kind of bode me well in the coming weeks. One is Phil Foden. Um, he's got 8% ownership and really, really nice fixtures. So I'm very hopeful of him, but at the same time, he could be in the bench for the next very, two games. Very, and, yeah, very hopeful that he'll actually play. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and like he, like, you know, he could be on the bench for the next two weeks, but at the same time, like he could score a hat-trick against Brentford and I could be a genius there, you know. Um, but that's that's one player that um I was kind of shocked by his ownership and the fact that he's in my squad. And I think if he is benched, I'll just be kind of selling him for Salah. Um the second is Calvert Lewin. <laughs> Um, Calvert Lewin, I think he's he's in a, I think he's got less than five percent ownership. Um, Lampard's coming in. They've got Newcastle, Leeds, and Southampton in the next three. Um, like if he's gonna do anything, he's got the fixtures. He's got the new manager bounce. He's already played two or three games since come back from injury, albeit he hasn't scored. But um, that's the kind of two players that are in my squad that are, um, I suppose bandwagon or that you know you can call if they go well with the low ownership that they could um turn into bandwagons as well yeah certainly i mean the new signings for everton delhi ali and van der beek i'd be interested the jury is very much out on how that's going to work with the two of them has lampard basically signed lampard and gerard for his own team and that'd be very interesting to see um uh, let's uh, let's uh, look at a few other players so um mr Koboloy uh, mentioned Root Veghorst, and I think that's actually a really interesting one. So obviously the next, the immediate few games for Burnley are absolutely trash. Um, you're not going to be interested in Burnley um, for the time being, that's for damn sure. Um, their fixtures are just not really worth looking at. So um, bad. Yeah, Man United and Liverpool, 25 and 20, 24 and 25, forget about it, not interested. Um, but there will obviously be a moment when all those sort of rearranged fixtures do come to pass with loads of mini Burnley double game weeks. Hooray. And we we should probably discuss quickly the unvaccinated horsey um, just because he his, his record's pretty good. Um, I'd looked at FB ref. Uh, one goal every two games um, is his career um, output. And in the Bundesliga in 2020-21, Vekos was actually fourth. Yes, fourth for non-pen XG for the whole league. Um, although he played on average 250 minutes more uh, than everybody else around him, being never present for Wolfsburg, 20 goals and five assists that season. Uh, but th- I said that career average of a goal every game is decent. And now you've got Dwight McNeil, Matt Lowton and Charlie Taylor swinging in the crosses, mate. I mean, you know, it's, it's goals on the, it's, it's, it's basically like three goals, isn't it? Um, but anyway, I, I mean, I think at his price, which is fairly generous, um, and Burnley, I think from game week 29 
things really clear up for them in terms of like initial fixtures. But I mean, there could be a double game week anywhere. And I just think he will come into conversation at some point. And it could be that he is one of those players, long, alongside Cornet, who ends up in our teams you know, at any given moment, effectively. So I don't know. I, th- I think maybe it would be him of the new signings that will make the... Mm, no, actually, no, I'll hold that one back. Maybe he'll be he'll make the second biggest impact in FPL, I think. With with Veghorst, really, it is just, you know, without a prospect, you know, like you just you can imagine whatever you want from him right now. Um, because Burnley have so many games, they're almost like some sort of Schrodinger's club. Like they are both relegated and mid-table at the same time, depending on what you want to think is going to happen with the four fixtures that they have to play. And um just kind of more generally, Veghorst, you you have the question of are you going to apply a massive Bundesliga discount on his goals that he was scoring fairly consistently for Wolfsburg? Or do you think that the types of goals that he was scoring frequently headed, frequently penalties, um, that they are the type of goals that he will be scoring at Burnley anyway? And so, do you know what? Lob him in um, and hope that lads lob in the ball at him and he heads it in. And I, I think there's there's plenty of room to be optimistic about him, especially in a world where the strikers have been underperforming as much as they have. Um, he'd be more interesting to me than any of the other Burnley players, large, except for maybe defenders. I think I'd go for a defender faster than I'd go for Pope um, when it comes to the rest of the Burnley team. But um, it hasn't been great so far this season for them, even defensively. So I think you'd, I'd look forward rather than look back um, faster even if he is a completely unknown quantity in the Premier League. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, I mean, Bruno Gumarsh, I don't think he's not, worth, not really worth speaking about. Um, obviously, you mentioned Chris Woods and Newcastle. I think let's, let's leave that for the time being, see what happens there. Um, uh, he, he is a new signing still just about, uh, Philippe Coutinho. I think that he, he is one that many people are um, being drawn to as a potential uh, you know, next-gen Lingard. Um I mean, good eye catching goal as well for Brazil. Yeah, oh God, well, what, hit, what, what hit that was? It opened his body right up, didn't he? Brilliant. What do you make of Coutinho, Steve? I'm, I was just going to say, I think that um, if we're looking at who could be the next bandwagons, I do think that an Aston Villa attacker um, could be a next bandwagon, be it Buendia, Coutinho, Watkins. I think one of those three is going to bang in the next few weeks. Like they've got Leeds, Newcastle, Watford, Brighton, Southampton. Like that's a beautiful run um, right up to game week 29. Um, love the look at Coutinho in that short glimpse that we saw of him when he came off the bench. Um, I think I prefer Buendia yeah. as, a, as a pick. Um, I was kind of I was looking through a few of the stats because I was tempted by Coutinho last week, but um, to be honest, I I think I'm going to wait and see with him. And I think Watkins could come in for me in place of Ronaldo um, in a few weeks' time as well if I am going to free up money for Salah. But in the midfield, I do like Buendia. And I think I was looking between Buendia and Rafinha um, as a potential guy to come in. And that's something that um, I'm kind of torn on. But there's one other left field pick that if he could nail down the place of Gray or Townsend in the Everton team is Anwar El Ghazi. He's just a guy that I just love watching him play and you can flag me all, all, all you want, but he's so greedy. Like, I just love that. Like, every time he gets the ball, he shoots. And yeah. I, like, I ran the numbers. Um, I was doing a post um, on Instagram between, or I was looking at the new Everton mids and I compared Ali, El Ghazi and Van de Beek. Extremely exciting options there. 
but yeah. the, 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 the clear potential of all those guys, if they get the minutes, which is the big caveat, is Al Ghazi because he's, he's just yeah, like, he's, he's very, just he's, loves shooting. But all I, fun, I it's all fun, I think. Remember in pre-season, yeah. I was tipping Al Ghazi for what for Villa's <laughs> first good three games at the start of the season and was getting dogs abuse for it, and then I didn't go with it in the end. Yeah. more abuse. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You got you got to follow through something like that. Now I'm glad you said the meet Bendia because long-term listeners of the pub will know that he's a he's a real favourite of mine throughout the years. He's played the way his way into my heart. And he's only 1.2% owned. I've got him in my wild card team. And I think he's definitely ticked up a level since Coutinho has arrived. It's just a feeling, it's just an eye test, really. Um, I feel like he's got someone else to play with now. He's, and I looked at kind of his data, it's a bit ropier than the Kane one, but I looked at his data for the last six matches versus six preceding it, and it is really his night night and day. So you've got threefold number of pen box touches, double number of shots, and also just an eye test point. If Coutinho and Watkins form the front three, they're going to need a creator because Coutinho shoots. That's what he does. He doesn't really create very much. Um, all the crap about Coutinho being the most creative player you've ever seen. Absolute BS. Come on. You don't know football. Uh, Watkins. Hits the post a lot, but someone's going to need to feed those guys, right? And Buendia, I think, could be the man. 6.2, just 6.2. One fun fact on Buendia, he was 11th for XA last time he was in the Premier League with Norwich and created the most chances of any player over the last six game weeks of that ill-fated 2019-20 season. And he created the most chances overall. There's clearly a good player in there, and I really want him to come through. And I've still got him in my wildcard team. And I, I really, I, people have been going, oh, are you sure you want Buendia? I'm like, non-negotiable. Mate, I'd even lose Cody before I lost Buendia. Nobody arranges deck chairs on a sinking ship like Andy Buendia. <laughs> He's just so good. Anyway, um, uh, we've got to just uh, just quickly, we've used up a lot of time here, uh, mention one more player. I think it's Luis Diaz. Um, people are going to be looking at him. Eight million. Qualitatively, it looks like his breakthrough season. I think that there will be a bit of an impact of him um, this year. He's not going to be first choice in that Liverpool front three, that's for damn sure. Um, but I think he will share minutes with the entire Liverpool front three, not because play- he'll be playing in uh, all across it, but because there will be a lot of movement around because of him being there. The vast, vast, vast majority of his recorded appearances, 96% of his 161 appearances referenced on Transfer Mart, showed that he played on the left either a left mid or a left winger. So that's Mane's spot norm- nominally, right? Um, but Mane can play on the right, he can play up front, and there's interchangeability, effectively, amongst Liverpool's front three, as we've sort of seen with Jota and Firmino, um, and I think Salah, you know, it can play up front, Mane can play up front, Mane can play on the right. So more options for Klopp, another elite option for Klopp, which isn't Minamino, which isn't Origi, I think makes it a bit more tricky for us, actually, having this fourth elite player who's going to start to be kind of tooled up, introduced to the Premier League, could be like have the biggest knock-on effects of all, I think, of all the transfers in. Not because of who he is, but because of the impact he could have. I think maybe you'll probably still see Salah play loads of games, but having a player who, to all intents and purposes, looks pretty elite, Liverpool don't mess around. If they're going to buy a player like that, Spurs <laughs> thought they got him. Liverpool hijacking that deal to perfection. Everything done in 24 hours. They must think something of him. I, I think that you know he could potentially next year be a fantastic player. But this year, I think he's going to have a big impact on our teams because he's going to sweep, sweep up some minutes, basically, for the likes of Jota and Salah. Don't see him starting like many games though in the next while. No, uh, it's stealing minutes though, isn't it? And that's it what's is. important. And he's attuned to that. And he still needs to play in order to learn how the press works. And and like it does give people that go with the early wild card the option of going double Liverpool defence 
and Salah are like a placeholder for Salah because if you believe that um, the new signing will reduce Jota's minutes, they now have a f- like five guys for three positions. Um, like it could be a smart move to go with Robertson Trent, um, especially like as we don't have any Chelsea defenders until game week 28. I think like there there is a little period now of three games where it's like Leicester, Burnley, and then a double. Like that's a lovely little patch um, for anyone on, on, like you know on a wild card this week. Definitely, it's, it is it is intriguing, but I think for all the January transfers and everything, I think the question still comes back to how it impacts on the Salah question because that just goes back to how we're going to structure our teams and even which of these players that might fit into our squads. Like, you know, the the likes of how you look at, you know, maybe putting your money towards Robertson or maybe you try to shove more money forward towards the likes, the likes of uh, Veghorst, probably not in the, re- in the weeks to come, but, you know, soon to come. Um, and other players. It, it is kind of interesting. It does. The, Liverpool seem to be the battleground and getting Liverpool right seems to be what we're all identifying as being the key to doing well over the next three to four game weeks. Um, a, because obviously they have good fixtures, but B, because there is just an element of precarity with um, their star player and maybe where the points are going to be allocated and the goals are going to be allocated in that team in the next while. Cool. Well, I think that's uh, that's putting that session to a close. Good discussion there. Uh, in summary, we think big at the back will continue. Um, always Captain Salah will continue. Four and five managers and two and three of us will be getting him back with him, but at least for that Norwich game. Anthony may go sooner. And maybe Kane could lead the forwards back to fruition. Maybe Vakehorse would. But could the biggest impact of all be Luis Diaz signing for Liverpool to curtail minutes for all the players up front that we know and love? And also, of course, Buendia is the best player in the world. Right, let's take a break there and uh, we'll come back to the questions and obviously transfers and captains and stuff just after this. Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Right, so we're back and it's time for the correspondence and listeners' questions. So the correspondence has actually already gone niftily inserted into the main topic, I might say so myself, a smooth segue in. Bit of a dead zone on Twitter, but we did manage to rustle up a few questions by cajoling, uh, bribery, and uh, all the other things the British government get up to. Uh, the first kind of pair of questions are on double game week management, and and I think maybe they're a bit of a hangover from how bad this double game week has been. Uh, we mentioned obviously at the start that we haven't fared too much better either. Um, FPL Tom Jones, it's not unusual that he uh, messages in, that's for sure, um, says that we haven't been burnt. <laughs> We've been burnt by, by Double Game Week before. So as Double Game Week 25 only confirmed, it's only confirmed for lacklustre double in Man Nice and Brighton. His question is, is it a both worth is it a boat worth catching? Or, you know, is it worth kind of setting course for 26 and beyond rather than kind of buying into United right now? And Karam, uh, Karam Tizir, he writes in and says, you know, Watford has been a huge lesson for me. And if anything, it shows we shouldn't overvalue some double game week teams. How do you reduce a double game week fever in bad form teams? Um, and obviously loads of mean double games on the horizon. Will we go there again? Or should we consider more of them? Overrated. Overrated. So I'm sure we... Oh, I'm not sure we, as a, as a collective whole, will ever be able to end up kind of falling prey to some form of double game week FOMO. Um, I'm probably going to find it difficult, for example, if I, didn't, if I own Salah and Bruno... Uh, in game week 25, I'd find it very difficult to not captain Bruno despite Salah having a good game. Um, I think that's just the way it is. And there's also a matter of outcome bias here. So if you, like me, captains uh, 
Antonio, Ronaldo, and Dennis over the last three game weeks, your outlook is going to be mostly different compared to if you captained Bowen, Bruno, and King. And I hugely suspect that Karam and Tom both fall into the category of, of, of the former like me. Um, I mean, yeah. Uh, what do you guys think of this one? Uh, Steve, start with you. Um, I think there's a Tom Jones song called I'll Never Fall in Love Again. And I think it's kind of very apt for this answer. Um, it's nice to say that we'll never fall in love with these kind of double game week options. And especially like, like, you know, when they're um, less popular teams and all, but in reality, like, I think it's one of those things in FPL that whenever there's a double game week, like it's just so hard not to go for it. Um, like I have a feeling that we're all going to have Wout Weghorst um, as our striker at some stage of the season. And he'll be captain for a double or kind of like, you know, treble game week. Um I suppose to your point of when we talked about like will Salah be the perma captain or will we be going for like you know anybody else? I think there's like there's merit in saying we'll be going for Salah as the auto captain, but in reality, if there's a double game, I'm probably going to be swaying towards um that option for my captain. So I think I'm with the masses here. I, I think maybe let's take it out of this immediate though. I mean, Karen does mention the, the minis on the horizon, for example. I mean, at what point is the tipping point? Like, if it's a Burnley double game week versus a decent single game week for Salah, do you just say, you know what, I'm going to ignore the running horses, the, the running weak horses, and just kind of go with a single game week Salah? If it's a double game week for, I don't know, Spurs, and Salah's got a good single game week, do you say, mm-hmm. all right, I'm staying with Salah? What's the tipping point for you? Yeah, like I think like game week 25 could be um, a great example there because if Salah comes back in 24 um, against Leicester, if he comes on for, say, the last half an hour, say he gets a goal, he looks sharp. Game week 25, he's playing Burnley, whereas Man United, who are in poor form, Ronaldo can't hit a barn door. Uh, Bruno won't score because Ronaldo will be on the pitch. Will we be captaining a Man United asset against Southampton and Brighton, or will we be going with Salah, who's in form against Burnley, who are not great? Um, personally, I'll probably end up going for the Man United option because um, so I'd take that chance. But there will be others, I suppose, who. Uh, well, to be fair, Tom, you could be one of those who, if um, if Mikel's algorithm tells you to go with Salah, you're going to be going with Salah, right? Yeah, I, I think so. I think obviously there's a judgment call to be made. Um, I suspect that Mikel would still factor in the likelihood of, of the individual. I think if it was, um, say, a double game week for Burnley versus a decent single for Salah, Salah would still come out on top. I think that's probably fairly justified. I think it's it's when you get to kind of, I mean, Spurs is probably a bit of an extreme example, but when you get to, I don't know, Villa having a double game week, Palace having a double game week, it's very hard for... Uh, that, that's when it becomes a bit more kind of uh, borderline whether an Edouard captain or, you know, a Watkins or Buendia captain Buendia. Become, becomes the one to do. Um, Buendia is never rated very highly on Mikel. And for good reason, he's just a bit of a favourite pick. Of mine. It's, it's, it, well, it's almost like he's barely returned in two seasons he's been in the Premier League. But his underlying data is great, Anthony. It's all about the expected data, not the actual point, not the actual things he's done. Have we learned nothing from Analytics FC? Trossard <sighs> next week. <laughs> um, no, the um, I'd be I'd be quite fearful of these double game weeks to come. To be honest, um, like I'm not sure they'll have good outcomes. Um, for Burnley, for example, um, in and whilst I think I'd like to get the players into 
players from the double game week teams into my side and kind of increase my exposure to the double game week, I wouldn't necessarily jump to make sure that I'm captaining as well. Like I'd rather have two double game week players from a team and, you know, do my best to get the good points that that club might get rather than kind of put all my eggs in one player and captain them as well. Um, if I was to get, you know, two points or two, you know, players point streams rather than just one doubled. Um, and for example, even when United had a double game week in 22, I still went and captain Trent Alexander-Arnold because I felt objectively with the fears of Bruno and Ronaldo uh, crossing over each other and cancelling each other out, I felt that it was just safer to just go with my Liverpool player. And so I got Fernandez into my side. I had Ronaldo in my team by captain Trent Alexander-Arnold on that basis. Uh, and I would I could see myself doing something like that again with the double gaming that I could end up with, for example, since you were talking about Villa, not with uh, Wendia, but with, let's say, Coutinho and also uh, Watkins in my side or a defender like I have Kansa already. You know, I might just kind of find my ways to double up that way, but I wouldn't necessarily rush to captain. Um, at the same time, I do feel like double gaming shouldn't be ignored. And I'm, you know, even if Watford hasn't proven to be a massive success so far, one goal from a well-owned double game week Watford player, uh, be it King or be it João Pedro or whatever, in the Burnley game will kind of change how people perceive the current disaster with Watford. And indeed, if Ben Foster just doesn't play, people will be just happy enough that, that it wasn't a total disaster and people could move on from there. Yeah, I, I just I just think, you know, scarcity is so important in creating value around these double game weeks. It really is. And you know, in the past, we haven't really had that many double game weeks. Um, and where we've had it, we've gone with it because it's been, you know, it's been exciting. It's been new. And we still see echoes of that. And for example, going with King and Dennis, although, of course, you can say the opposite that if Dennis has scored a hat trick, I would not be sitting here saying this. But I just wonder whether the ensuing barrage of doubles, mini doubles, might mean that we're more measured about them because we're more used to them. And as they become more regular, I think that maybe we're going to increasingly see them, unless it's like a really nice double game week for a big team, as a nice to have rather than a must. Uh, right. Uh, anything else here? Or should we move on to the next one? All good. Yeah. All good. All right. Uh, next thing, transfer targets um, and a couple of shout outs too. So Benny, Bla- <laughs> Benny Blanco, um, here lads, who would be your priority transfers per position in the next two to three game weeks? Um, I need to mention here, uh, contractually obliged under the pain of lots of really embarrassing photos being released of me, uh, the Benny Blanco is hosting game week 39 at North versus South, which is being held on the weekend after the last weekend of the season. I need to look up when that is because I didn't prepare for that. I'm really sorry, Benny. Don't release those photos. Please don't. Um, those photos aren't, they're not that exciting, I promise. Um, I think it's going to be, I think it's the 29th of the 28th of May, the Saturday in Birmingham. So if you want to go to Birmingham to see a lot of FPL people, are you going to hang, hang out with loads of really, with loads of bearded men in Birmingham? Uh, go and do that. I can't make it, sadly. So probably that'd be more, more if you go. Um, all the money um, that you do, um, put towards it to buy a ticket will go directly to charity um very very nice idea uh, there's a team of people in the fpl community from from the north although fpl elf who's not from the north is managing the northern team for lols um, and for the from the south um are involved with this i think that um, our good friends james and suj are both playing for the south which can be hilarious um, <laughs> so um, it would be well worth going if you can and look up um, benny blanco on twitter um and um you, you can find out all about that 
uh, on there. Um, I'd also recommend <laughs> that you look up, uh, I, I can't remember what the account name is. Uh, I think it's uh, there's, a, there's a Northern account on the Twitter, which is creating a lot of very funny memes about individuals on Twitter, um, which is quite funny indeed. At the North GW39, uh, definitely worth looking up if you're into that Twitterverse nonsense. But yeah, definitely look up to Benny Blanco about this. Anyway, he did ask uh, who would be your tra- prize transfers for the next two to three game weeks in each position. And Tom Campbell um, asked, um, well, he, said, he asked the question, basically I, I asked him to, so I could tell, talk about the Bristol meetup, which is on the 8th, 19th of February at the King Street Brewhouse um, in Bristol. So if you want to come to that, I'll be there because I'll be there visiting my parents, my grandparents. And I thought, you know what? I might as well do a meetup. Uh, come uh, and let me know on Twitter. And it's also one in London. It's becoming bigger and bigger um, through via FPL Nima. Um, but Tom asked basically, could there be interest in the 4.3 million goalkeeper in Raya, um, who might be of interest to wildcarders? But I mean, let's stick to Benny Blanco's question because frankly, Tom's question is just a segue into mentioning Bristol. Um, priority transfers in each position, an interesting one, really, because I think a lot of people are going to be kind of homing in on that. I mean, Steve, we've got a question in a minute about replacing Chelsea defenders, so maybe uh, save you save your a bit for them. But I mean, Anthony, what do you think about that per position? Per position, it's kind of interesting that we're cutting it down to the next two to three game weeks. It kind of strikes me as... Um, I, think know, it's, it's it's the, I think it's ahead of the heavily, blank. Yeah, heavily based on the blank. And so I guess with that, I think Liverpool players are going to dominate the considerations here. Um so a priority transfer, for example, would have to be Salah, considering he's probably not in many of our sides at the moment. And whilst it's very obvious, I'd have to throw it in there. Um, when you go from there, then I think he, you'll want to get players in for the United double game week or the Brighton double game week. Um, more so the Brighton one for me, um, because I, I just suspect those are transfers that people will need to make. Um, so... Who would I be looking at? I had Mopay in my team. I think Mopay could well come back into my team in the next few weeks, and I, I'd consider him. Uh, Watkins, just with Villa's fixtures and soon-to-be-added fixtures, I feel like he just provides kind of a good focal point in that attack, Leeds, Newcastle, Watford uh, to come. So he'd be there. And then kind of when I'm looking at defenders, to be honest, if someone isn't doubled up on the City defence, I think I would strongly consider doing that just because... Um, they just continue to churn out the clean sheets when nobody else seems to be doing so. Um, and then Dina is another one that I'd be throwing in for the priority transfers for me personally, because I don't have them in my defence. And whilst I have Kansa, I'm already starting to feel like I wish I'd just taken the risk on Dina, but I wasn't sure what was going to happen with minutes and et cetera with him. So it's kind of a, a scattergun, but concentrated in very few teams there um, approach for me. I think... Um... Yeah, I think like I suppose touching on the positions there as well, I agree. Um, and I know Tom said we'll get to it with the Chelsea question, but for me, I think like Cancelo, Trent are a lock in everyone's squad, so we might as well kind of ignore them. But if you stay in a priority in defence, um, for me, it's Dean and then one of someone like a Kufal or a Kukarela, um, or even a Spurs defender is what I'm looking at um, in midfield. Looking at a few priority transfers again, um, Buendia stands out. Uh, Tom will be happy to hear. Um, I think Foden has potential over the next couple of game weeks if he starts. Um, and then I think everyone's going to be on like the Bones and the Jotas, etc. And up front, um, nobody. Um, but if I had to put a gun to my head, I think the DCL 
Watkins could prove um, as interesting options if you're not going for the premiums of Kane or Ronaldo. Um, but just one point as well there, Tom, you you seem like there's lots of meetups happening um, in the UK over the next few weeks. Um, I think it's about time that we formally started um, planning one for Dublin as well. So um, I know that we have um, a smaller Irish group, um, the FPL uh, gals and we had a meet up in Limerick there a couple of weeks ago so um, I think it's about time that before the end of the season we should try and um, organize a bigger one because I, I know Andy from Let's Talk FPL um, I've been speaking to him previously about um, having one as well and he's keen and I know that Mark um, FPL General would be keen to come over as well um, to have a bit of an Irish get together and I'm <laughs> sure do you know what? I, I had, and Anthony will tell you, I had tickets booked. I had a hotel room booked and everything um, uh, uh, somewhere, I can't remember where I was, but for the Dublin meetup the, uh, before, before, the, uh, before the just before the pandemic. Yeah. Because up at the top of Kirkwood Street. Oh, yeah. Yeah, another one. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, I was just <laughs> going to say that I'm sure. Um, I'm sure Paddy, a failed Viking, will be keen for a pint of Guinness as well. So Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely um, try to go over if I could for that. For yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah, so I think that's something that, um, with, like you know, with all these ones happening in the UK, that we should try and get one going now before the end of the year. Make it happen, finally. <laughs> exactly. Too. All right, back to the main question. <laughs> Outside of our social lives, our busy social lives with lots of bearded men um, and women too. Um, not bearded women, but women um, are involved with the FPL community, of course. Um, and anyone else, of course, any other gender, gender identities means same gender identities too. All welcome in the fantasy football community. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, I think I broadly agree on Dean, Robbo and City in defence. I, I think maybe I slightly prefer Robbo on my wild cards. I'm looking at the two. We're not benefiting from either Cancelo or Trent clean sheet at the moment. The second City defender is mostly akin to buying the goalkeeper. I mean, Laporte does have some attacking threat and he's a lot cheaper than Robertson. The only thing is Robertson is able to provide some attacking threat um, and does have a decent kind of four game stretch before I then kind of look to move him out the only problem is that a wild Chimikas could appear uh, where he's concerned um, to give him a break um, so there could be an outside call maybe for Van Dyke here um, was the only thing I, think I was thinking I mean there's always a chance of a goal basically and all the set pieces are pretty much aimed at him as being the only big man um, where Liverpool are concerned um, well apart from if Matty or Canate is on the pitch um, in midfield I agree um, obviously Salah is where everyone's kind of lusting towards um, Brighton-wise, I mean, uh, Trossard's, I feel like, is the ultimate sharp merchant. Just all sh- all, all fart, no poo. There's very, very little from him. You'll know, get one game where he absolutely craps himself all over the place, but normally it's just nothing. Um, I, I did like McAllister, the cut of McAllister's jib. Um, I just think the positions he's op- occupying and the way he's affecting the game, um, now he's been given consistent game time. A very talented guy. Um, and Bryson fans that I've been speaking to have been waxing, waxing lyrical about him, frankly. And obviously did score a couple of goals since Everton in game 21. I think that was kind of a high watermark for him. I, I don't think he'll be bracing off anytime soon. But, you know, over the double game week uh, 2022, uh, he got nine points for his owners at 5.3. That's pretty damn decent. And if, if uh, Spurs and... Uh, Bryce and both at double game week 26 uh, which could be uh, quite likely then you might have a double double uh, for Bryson as well um, and I think that you know, given the way McAllister is playing at the moment I think he could be quite decent uh, as a pickup and um, there's obviously if you want in the, in the defense as well you can maybe, maybe throw in Cucurella and um, but I just feel like Bryson have a 
a tendency to draw a 1-1 every single game, as uh, James talks about a lot. And uh, finally, up front, I do like Harry Kane a lot. um, And I just think there's no value in the forwards right now, really. Um, So I just top for him, sadly, uh, but true. Uh, Final questions this week. Replacements. Which Sasson Villa player is the one to choose if you had to choose one? Uh, Christian Ulrichs. I think we've covered that ad nauseam. I think the resounding message is Luca Dean with maybe a smattering of Buendia from uh, me and Steve and uh, a, a, a frankly ridiculous Watkins call from Anthony. Um, and uh, Jono forwards. Um, he asks, what do we do uh, with uh, Rudiger? Um, if you own him um, due to Chelsea and the World Club Cup. I'm sure there are a few people like Steve himself uh, waiting around with Luca Dean. Um, sorry, waiting around with uh, Alonso or something. But I think I think we've covered this as well. Um, so it brings us nicely to transfers and captains. A bit of a, yeah, as I said, it's quite it's quite quiet on Twitter just because people are just relaxing, enjoying. Hopefully this will kickstart it. Exactly. All playing Wordle. Be, uh, I, I look forward to the day when someone can, comes out and goes, yeah. One, anyway. That's not to talk, we talked about it here. Um, talk about chances and captains. Um, obviously, we've got a little while to go. Don't know what's going to happen next. But Steve, you've got Emmanuel Dennis. You've got uh, Marcos Alonso with a blank, uh, a couple of blanks. Um, and is it Alonso to Luca Dean? But, uh, that still means you've got Dennis out, doesn't it? And you've still got 10 men if you do that. You need Livermento. Are you going to be taking a hit? What's the situation here? Yeah, so I think a lot can change um, between now and the deadlines next Tuesday. But as things stand, I have two free transfers. I have 1.9 million in the bank. I have two defenders, three defenders that won't play. I have Trossard that won't play, but I'll be holding for the possibility of those two doubles that it'll have in the following game weeks. I think one transfer that's locked in for me now is Alonso to Dean. Um, we've talked that to death. I think I'm going to be struggling for one more player this game week then. So I, the, what stood out to me was either Libramento or Johnston out um, for another kind of cheaper defender. Um, I went through my options. I ran a bit of um, uh, the next six game weeks on Ben Crellin's transfer planner. And in summary, the defenders are not very exciting. What I came to, though, was that either Kufal or someone like Eric Dyer probably make the most sense for my team due to they could play this week and they could play, I think it's game week 26 and 28 that I'm going to need them as well. Um, but I saw last night that Libramento is back in training. So that's kind of good news, um, although I wouldn't want him this week. But I think it kind of focuses my mind on, like, if you stick to the transfer objectives of getting rid of your weakest links for me it's Alonso and Johnston out so then Dean and somebody in in defense I think what's frustrating is that the one defender that really stands out to me of those options in around five million is Cucurella because he could have those two doubles but if I bring him in this week I won't have a player so um, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of stuck there but I suppose apart from that um my captaincy this week as well is a bit torn I'm currently on Bowen could be Ronaldo, could could be Man City, but who's going to play? No, I, I, I think I'm pretty set on Bowen. Um, it's why I was saying if I had Kane, I would be tempted. But um, I'd probably go with Bowen and Cancelo um, as my vice. But um, yeah, that's probably me. So I suppose for, for the podcast listeners, um, Ronaldo, Calvert-Lewin, 
up top, Bernardo, Jota, Bowen, Captain, Foden, midfield, and then Cancelo, Trent, Lucas Digne when he comes in, and whichever other budget defender I go for in defense alongside David De Gea. Oh, all right. That's good to me, I think. Um, Anthony. Right. So where I'm at right now is I have De Gea in goals, Trent, Cancelo, and Laporte in defense alongside Kansa as well. All of them with good fixtures, and I'm quite content with all of them. Veltman's on the bench and sitting there, sitting pretty. For my midfield at the moment, I have Bowen, Jota, Rafinha, and Bruno Fernandes. And then up top, Ronaldo and Dennis. The bench then is João Pedro and Alan. João Pedro is a problem. Alan is a god and will remain there forever. And I have only one free transfer. And so kind of there isn't a, a clear issue, to be honest, in, in the team right now. If I was to point to anything, it would be that I would like to kind of chase some big points because I, I am forever trying to catch up having had my diabolical start of the season. So at 350k, I wouldn't mind actually making that move of Ronaldo across to Kane um, if I felt that... Um, if I felt like I wasn't going to kind of get myself tied up in knots with the Man United double game week that kind of follows. Um, right now, I think I, I will do that purely because I'm just so fed up of having Ronaldo um, in my side. But actually, my captaincy right now rests on Cancelo. And I think it's going to stay there. Even if I brought in Kane, I think the, it, the captaincy will rest on Cancelo because... Uh, objectively, <laughs> I just feel like he brings the best points potential home to Brentford. So the clean sheet is, you know, you would think it's pretty likely to come. Um, now I've jinxed it. And then there's also a pretty decent chance of an attacking return or two bonus points to match. You know, there's always a haul in Cancelo in a way that, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't think there's a haul in almost any of the rest of the players in my team, which is kind of bizarre to say. But I feel like Cancelo is far more likely to haul than a Jota or a Bowen or a Fernandes or a Ronaldo. I don't know where, how we've got to this point, but that's how I feel about it. And so I think Cancelo is very likely to be my captain um, this game week. Yeah, no, fair play. He'll send new contracts, so I'm sure he'll uh, celebrate by doing the whole kind of signing celebration, which probably isn't and, a thing. But, um... And also just, sorry, and, and I'm just given I talked about Salah earlier, if it does work out that Salah will be coming back... I mean, I'm optimistic he will be, to be honest. Um, I, then it would be, you know, Ronaldo would move. I might even take a minus eight at that point and just start shoving things around quickly to get Ronaldo to sell Ronaldo, sell someone like Dennis as well, who can free up an awful lot of cash and then upgrade probably Jota. And uh, hmm. just go from there. Okay. Exciting. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Right. Well, as mentioned, I am on a wild card. Um, I mean, there's not too much mystique about why I did it. I'm, as I said at the very start, I'm too far behind the main pack to be utilizing the usual strategy of wildcarding into the uh, into 31 after 30 blank, playing it later, whatever. I, I just can't do that now. I, I don't think I didn't think there was enough in my team uh, to go with it. Um, and and my rank was worth doing. It's it's actually a pretty standard mix. I'll talk about it in a second. Um, I think the way I'm looking at it is that I'm looking to get back up to the top 100k principally for the time being and then push on from there in the next kind of few weeks. So I'm optimizing my squad for the near term. And I'm going to try to progress from that point. As mentioned, I haven't got Sally yet. Um, I plan to bring him in for Bruno and move out Jota as well in game 26. I'm assuming, assuming with, with my fingers crossed, that I can roll my transfer in 25 to do so. I know that's unusual, but it's a bit of an unusual season. Um, I may yet change my mind, but I feel like 
Kane this week and Bruno for the double as captains will do a job for me of offsetting the Salah hit. But I completely understand why that's an opportunity for other people. Um, overall, my team is a mix of quality players and players with games in hand. Um, I've got an eye on replacing some players with Chelsea players in Game of 28, as I mentioned ages ago now, uh, when it came to the likes of Reese James. So it's it's actually a 4 5 1, um, which maybe just reflects the conversation we had earlier on. In goal, I've got De Gea. Um, it's just a boring hygiene pick, to be honest, but having him as my man United defensive cover means I don't use up a valuable defender slot on someone like Dallow um, because I don't want to be playing five at the back. I want A four is fine. I think having a fifth defender who is cheap um, enables the rest a lot more effectively than having a defender like Dallow who I may want to play every now and again. I think that just kind of throws the whole thing slightly off balance. I've got Foster as a backup goalkeeper. Don't really care about that. Maybe it could be Raya. Who knows? Um, at the back, I've got Robertson and Trent. Liverpool double up. Cancelo. Um, so I've decided to go with Liverpool double up rather than the assist double up. Uh, Luca Dean, um, as we've spoken about. Uh, Veltman is the cheapy at 4.2. Same as Anthony's got him too. Uh, Veltmania could come back. I, I I very much doubt he'll come on the pitch for me. I don't think he's going to play that often. Um, but we'll have more opportunities now. Week, it could have been truly amazing. And you know, he's, he's there. He's I, I, I think he'll be for first benchman during that, but there's more opportunities now for him that because Burn has gone. Um, I think in midfield, the midfield five at the moment is Bruno, Jota, Foden, Bowen, and Buendia. Obviously, Buendia. And um, up from it's Harry Kane on his own. On the bench, then Veltman, Broya, and Cork native Adam Ida. Uh, 4.9 million, the cheapest playing striker out there uh, who replaces Connor Cody as the mascot. Um, so, yeah, I'm quite happy with that, really, on the basis that there's a lot of quality and also it covers a lot of the bases. Um, and I think that, you know... Why, I, why is all your quality at third bench? Uh, <laughs> well, actually, there's there's if there's a good chance um, that I does the first bench this week, obviously, because he's playing Chris Spurs at home uh, versus Veltman not having a game. And you know, I'm I'm more than happy to call Adam Ida. So in game week 27, for example, when Robertson, Trent, and Jota don't have a blame, Adam Ida comes to the rescue away at Southampton. So I'm very happy to have him. Um, James uh, Planet FPL has been waxing lyrical about Adam Ida for a little while, saying it brings a different dimension to Norwich's attack. And um, I, I, I don't, I, frankly, it's a valuable for me. It's 4.9. He, he, he has brought a different dimension, goal scoring. Well, <laughs> yeah. assist, assisting, pressing, you know, all, all the usual a sort of radical I, game for Norwich. Yeah. I, I test it. But, you know, it's, it's very hand. It's, it's, I think he's just a decent pickup. And Steve, you, know, you mentioned Foden earlier on. For me, you know, he just seems like the, a, a bit of a no brain option just to throw in there. If he plays, he plays. If he doesn't, well, I'll have the likes of Broya, Ida, Feltman coming off the bench. So I think it would be all right. And um, I think that Norwich game in game week. 25 is an absolute lottery, frankly, and I'm fully expecting to see Veltman play uh, that double game week. So I think it all works out quite nicely together. And yeah, so 4-5-1 with Kane. I could, you know, get the jitters and get Salah in, um, but I, I kind of I kind of like this team at the moment and I feel settled on it. And I think that I'm going to try to have that in mind. Um, obviously, the, the things could change. There could be news that could kind of completely sway me maybe we'll get news of another double game week which means i've got to cover it but i think the majority of my players here apart from cancello Foden, and bowen all have 
games in hand or an impending double. And there's flexibility to remove Fernandez for Salah, flexibility to remove De Gea for Ramsdale. Yes, another goalkeeper transfer could well happen. And I, you know, I, I'm fairly happy with that as it stands. It doesn't throw the baby out of the bathwater and it doesn't like, um, you know, it, it just covers everything that I wanted to cover. And hopefully it will at least get me up to where I want to be. The big fear really is that you, you're you're locking in either to require a hit to get Salah in for Burnley to dump a double game weaker who you would be captaining in that double game in that double game week I mean, to get Salah in for Burnley. Yeah, I mean or, I, or just waiting off, waiting through the whole Burnley game. Yeah, that, that, that's it though, because you because as Steve said earlier, why would I be caps I might be I'd be you know thinking about Captain Salah obviously if I had Burnley, but I I think it's gonna be quite difficult to swerve Bruno for Southampton and Brighton at home. Um, obviously, 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 you can look at the underlying whatever, but that's where my captain's going to be, and I'm going to be betting that the EO for Salah is going to be low enough that it's not going to hurt me that much. Yeah, so that's that's the gamble really. The next two game weeks, I can get away with not owning him um, if I go with this. Um, two two questions for you on this: What chips have you left? Uh, one free one free hit, and then the rest uh, bench boost triple captain. Yeah, and have you thought about? Uh, bench boost yet or are you kind of just going to let it slide until the end I'm not going to do it in 25 um, if that's what you're thinking because I've got either mm. either with Man City at home even though either could score against anyone uh, I've got him with Man City at home I've got Broya uh, with Man Nice away so that's just not worth it for bench boosting on that game week um, and uh, how I want, how I've got it set up doesn't work but I, I think the bench boost eventually will, like tra- transfers and hits are, are all gonna, it'll be alright for that and we've yeah. got there's so much is unknown at the moment hopefully given the fact I've got loads of players in this setup who are either quality players who if they've got a single I'm happy to have them have a good replacement like for like you know I could swap out um, Foden to you know, Rafinha or something I'm, I, I wouldn't be too upset about doing that if there was a nice double or if I had to create a compliment, an extra comp, an extra player to complement a, a bench boost like there's loads of different kind of areas of price points where I can move things around um, so I'm just assuming that it will all work itself out and it normally does to be fair there's, there's yeah, fair. there is a multi-week probably build to a, a bench boost if you want one that doesn't yeah, have like, yeah. that isn't relying on the likes of Ida having a good week um, yeah, sure. it, it, it won't be like surprise bench boost it'll just be like you, you'll have some notion and what was your second question Steve? Uh, the second question is I suppose the one thing that stood out to me is I really like Broha because I don't think he'll be playing him in the next two weeks but then he's got those uh, lovely fixtures and he's like really cheap so I think he's a great pick but what stands out is um, because you have Broha there I think you're well set for the medium term I suppose Veltman I can't see you playing him in game week 25 with the players you have. And I think the likes of a Lawton could be a good call there because he's 0.2 more. But if you had Lawton in now, I think that'll stand to you because you won't obviously be wildcarding when everyone else is um, I, closer to a double. It's a simple answer. I'm at 0.0. So ah, I can't afford okay. a Lawton. Yes. Would I want to buy Lawton? I had him for his... Double game week. Was it a double game week last year? Yeah, what last happened? But he got year, like 17 points. 17-pointer. Ah, that was uh, heaven. Burnley, I think, are crap. And do I want to buy one of their players at the moment? Probably not. I've got 4.2 million to play with. It's a straight shootout between Brandon Williams and Joel Veltman. 
yeah that's how crap wow. it is yeah because um, if you had the point one you could even get um right Nuri. yeah yeah but it is, it is what it is, um, and I'm I'm fairly happy with that setup as it stands. Um, I don't I, leave Remento as an investment in the future. Could do, but I mean Bryson would like to have a double double. I mean he'll be a nice first sub, won't he? I I can't see Foden playing Norwich to be honest. So I'm assuming that they'll will come on for a double game week. But let's see, let's hey, see. They'll have I to mean, play a double pivot and five defenders with Ida coming <laughs> against them. So. Exactly. I, I, I think I I think my takeaway is if the worst thing is. What are you doing with Veltman? Then I'm pretty happy with that wildcard spin. <laughs> and I'm never putting that up on Twitter ever because all I'll get is absolute bollocks. <laughs> actually, that's actually genuinely not the question because, like, really, like, United, <laughs> did you get what, four clean sheets or something? It's something low like that. I have not prepped this. Sa- saves. I haven't actually kept that many clean sheets. It's just like, yeah, saves, but like, the saves are a product of their inability to keep the um, attacks. Uh, they are. Out. They are. It's, I, know, I, I think it's just, it's just the effect. It's just the, the EO really for De Gea. It's, um, it's, just, it's, it's easy not to think about the goalkeeper position, but you've made five goalkeeper transfers so far this season so I suspect I think it's actually quite an aggressive move to change the goalkeeper around no um, I, I'm, 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 I think that I will end up with um, probably end up swapping Ramsdale back in later you on could stick, you could stick your pal Robbie Sanchez in or something oh, um, no no <laughs> never again the guy is a terrible goalkeeper anyway I think that we have outrun our time Anthony Tom. thanks very much everyone for listening we were who got the assist You've gotten to get correspondence in who got the assist at gmail.com. And thanks so much, Steve, for joining us today. You'll find Steve on Twitter at FPL Ferry. Uh, it's fantastic to have you on. Yeah, um, it's been great to be on, guys, and uh, I'll be looking forward to the rest of the season and tuning in. Cool. Yeah, thanks very much for coming on, Steve. Great to finally get you on. Um, also, find Steve on uh, Instagram. I should probably have mentioned, you probably should have mentioned Steve, to be fair. I think one of the biggest FPL accounts on Instagram, aren't you? Oh, yeah, I think I done the strange thing of um, not really joining FPL Twitter, and I joined the FPL say Instagram world about five years ago when there was nobody over there. So um, yeah. I done the opposite, but um, yeah, I do kind of like you know, most of my posts and um, over on Instagram. Yeah, it was FPL Fairy on Instagram. Cool. Thanks, thanks again for coming on. Uh, anyway, hope assisted you, uh, and hope we helped you. Get your mind back into fantasy football after a bit of a lull. Obviously, we've got six days, isn't it, until uh, the, the game, the next game, we kicks off in earnest. We've still got a game on Saturday. No when this was reported, but we'll speak to you um, ahead of well, game week twenty-five at that point. At some point, I think it's probably likely to be a solo pod next Thursday, given swift turnaround between game week twenty-four and twenty-five. At least you'll get to hear how my wild card tanked, burned, and just genuinely kicked my ass, and how my original team would have scored triple figures. Speak soon. Take care. Night out. Oh, it's a goal! Who got the assist? Who got the assist? Podcast Network.